I left the city, I've been browsing. Treading water that they drowning. My head on the swivel. Yeah. It's only really my surroundings. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hello and welcome to episode 154 of the Smash Accept podcast. I'm your host, Michael Rory. You can find me on Twitter at DynastyDadFF. Tonight is a perfect blending of talking rookie drafts, talking about, you know, redraft and how these running back situations fill out. Tonight is just the insurance insurance policy running backs, you know, like no more handcuffs. We're going to talk insurance policy. To blend it all together, I'm bringing on two of my absolute, you know, favorites when we talk about this. When we talk redraft, nobody better than my man, FFA Mung. Mung, I mean, we're getting into that area where we're 120-odd days away from the NFL draft. You know, I started talking to DraftKits.co about draft boards again. And, I mean, we're we're not that far away, right? The rookie draft comes up, and then I was like, man, we got to start talking about what 2023 really looks like. Yeah, I mean, immediately after the NFL draft, uh, we're going to head into training camp season pretty soon and then preseason. And like you said, before we know it, it will be redraft season. I mean, best ball leagues have already opened up. So it's madness right now. I've got the Smash Except 10 startup draft going. I've got three different rookie drafts going on. When I get trade offers hitting my inbox, I have to check which league it's for because I'm not really sure. I saw somebody just took Derek Carr, and I was super confused, and I forgot it was in the startup. So, yeah, it's uh, it's a good time, a lot going on, and this is this is going to be the key time, right, when you make those trades for value because once training camps and preseason begins, a lot of the more casual Dynasty GMs out there are going to catch up with a lot of tweets, a lot of information. So if you have the guys that you like right now in the middle of rookie drafts, this is when you can still snag them for fairly cheap if their ADP isn't where you think it should be. And this is the time when you can maybe potentially send out some trade offers before, say, a Rashad Penny type. Somebody blows up in training camp, and then all of a sudden, before you know it, their ADP jumps up two entire rounds. I love it. This is such a fun time of the year. I mean, obviously, the Patreon's been blowing up. We're doing a lot of rankings in there, talking about strategy guides for, for your rookie draft, strategy guides for things like that. The uh, I'm, I'm excited to announce the Fantasy Cares Eliminator. I'm in the celebrity matchup again, so you guys can come play against me. That starts next week. That'll be always fun. Uh, you know, it's just so exciting. Right now, you know, this is, we go from the seasoned vet with, with Mung, and we've been doing this for a while, to our, our rookie at Smash Except, but he's been taking Twitter like Storm. FF Snoog, how you doing today? We're, we're doing good, Dad, and th- thanks for having me on. I can't wait to talk about some handcuffed running backs and kind of help you guys, listeners, focus in on which ones to draft because that's what's important. We're going to help you guys find the ones in the best situations, the most talented ones, the best ones at value. We're not going to tell you to draft Zach Charbonnet in the first round. I'm going to tell you to draft Roshan Johnson in the late second. That's where you kill your drafts, and it's all about market values and stuff like that. This is the best time of the year. I'm taking control of a lot of my leagues where I'm commissioning. I haven't even started rookie drafts yet. So I'm about 50-50. I'm in 20-plus leagues, so I still got 10-plus to go. I'm getting ready. I'm feeling out boards and stuff like that, getting a feel for how the boards are going and just trying to get market values down pat. It's like muscle memory now for me, and I'm just trying to move my way around boards and try to predict what's going to happen. Man, I mean, only my home leagues still have rookie drafts because Smash 1 through 9, it's like, oh, they're done, day 1. You know, we have all these other ones in here. So let, let's start talking about this. You know, a lot of people call them handcuffs. I started recently calling them, like, insurance running backs. We talk a lot at Smash Except about building your, your dynasty roster around young wide receivers because – these running backs in these situations among, we say it every year, 2021, Rex Burkhead, Rashad Penny, Justin Jackson were RB1s over the fantasy playoffs. 2022, 
Latavius Murray, Jarek McKinnon, Deontay Foreman, Chuba Hubbard all had RB1 weeks. And these guys cost you nothing in Dynasty, but they are the ultimate. Like, so many people are worried about taking their day three wide receiver in the third round, or they're trying to get that diamond in the rough. But during your rookie draft, you could get these guys, Jarek McKinnons, Deontay Foremans, Chuba Hubbards in the past for third round rookie picks, and they end up winning you leagues. Yeah, and really what it is, is anybody can go out and Google depth charts, right? We all know what the listed depth charts are for a particular team. And the hard part is projecting those out two, three months from the future, in, into the future, right? Mm -hmm. Because a lot of the rookies are going to be listed third, fourth, fifth on the depth chart right now, because most coaching staffs need to have these rookies prove that they belong on an NFL roster and to prove their worth before they bump them up these depth charts. And so really you have to look at player performance, whether it's the veteran or the rookie's college production. And also you have to look at contract situations, right? We're still not sure if Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon, guys like this are gonna be willing to restructure their contracts and stay with their current teams. But at the same time, there's opportunities for these veterans who maybe they do get cut, right? We've had rumors that Miami was interested in Dalvin Cook if he decides to part ways with Minnesota. So. It's finding the right price points to take a shot at some of these running backs, whether they're veterans or rookies, depending on where you think their price could be a month or two months from now. And let's, let's jump right into the rookies first, and let's talk about the running back situations. Let's blend it all together. I mean, Jameer Gibbs and, and Brijan Robinson, obviously, they're smash. Top four picks that has nothing to do with these next couple of guys. So we start top six is chalk. We start taking all these wide receivers. Then we get to the late first, early second, and there's some running backs that can really make some hay that you can you can get in that area. I've been starting to kind of readjust rankings, but there's three guys I think right now that have what I would say are separate out of this group that have standalone value with upside. That's Kendra Miller, Zach Charbonnet, and Devin Achain. You know, like we, we just did a recent pod with Mason Dodd. You guys got to go check that out where, you know, he was saying Charbonnet is a guy that probably gets 30% early on, but maybe by the end of the season might get 40, 50% of the carries. Kendra Miller is a guy that, you know, it may have been a little bit lower on people's draft boards, but then he goes and gets the draft capital, goes to the Saints, Kamara's situation, maybe a suspension. And Devin A-Chain goes to that dream landing spot in, in Miami that Mung and I have been talking. We wanted all these guys to go. Uh, Snoog, I mean, Miller's your guy, but let's start talking about it. As far as rookie drafts and as far as handcuffs, I think these three guys, as far as insurance running backs, handcuffs, these three guys have supreme value over anybody else that's in there and have that potential to potentially start by mid-year. Yeah, I think all these guys have the potential to be starters for sure. And I think that they are far light years ahead of the rest of the guys after these three guys. Charbonnet, Kendra Miller, Devin Achain. These are three guys that I was high on as prospects coming out in the pre-draft process. I know I give Charbonnet the cold shoulder now, that, but that's just because he's playing behind an elite talent in Kenneth Walker. Well, let's talk about Charbonnet real quick because I, I want to. I really want to. I've gone full circle, right? I've had him at 107, then I moved him back to like 203. Now I think when you look at these three guys, I mean, for me, I think Kendra Miller starts to have that ability mm -hmm. to. I'm taking Miller over Charbonnet because I think Miller potentially could be the starter by the end of the year and keep that I love job. That. Charbonnet, I think, will not take over the starter role but i mean mung if zach if if uh walker goes down zach charbonnet becomes that guy that in redraft man i mean i think this is someone that could be a league winner because we saw some james connor in his game and a guy that is literally going to be able to be a three down back if walker were to go down yeah and i think i'm actually on the opposite side of you guys looking at these three running backs in particular when we're talking about the late first early second portion of rookie drafts because i think i'm quite a bit higher on Achain than consensus um, for me i think he landed in the perfect offensive scheme to maximize his speed he's a guy who is gonna have those home run plays who doesn't need to have a workhorse role right to potentially be an rb2 or higher in PPR formats. Mm -hmm. I think we're gonna see that Raheem Mostert and uh, Jeff Wilson are still gonna be involved, but that's probably at the end of the day, a good thing for a guy who doesn't weigh quite as much, but has that home run ability. Yeah, and I'm a list. little, okay. yeah, go ahead. 
No, we were talking. I mean, I was talking with Mason. Like, I, I have A-Chain as my RB3. So I'm not – I have A-Chain. He goes, like, 111 for me. Kendra Miller, 112 to 201. Charbonnet more like 203. And that's kind of how I have it. So I'm on board with you there. Um, Mung, I think the interesting thing is and, – and he brought that up as let's say Leonard Fournette goes to Miami. Let's say – I mean, Devin A-Chain is a guy that is – he's going to be – a PPR machine. He's going to be open, get those open field looks. That's why I have him above as well, because if, if someone were to come in in those other situations, it's going to damper their value. But A-Chain is not a guy that's going to, like you said, he's not going to get 20 carries. He might get 10 to 12 touches, a Tony Pollard type, you know, performance where he's a guy that could be a rock solid RB2 right off the bat. Yeah. And I think where I differ from you guys is I have Charbonnet quite a bit higher than Kendra Miller, because to me, I think the fact that Seattle used a second-round pick on Charbonnet indicates that they don't necessarily view Walker as locked into the starting role. It would not shock me if Charbonnet gets more touches than Walker by the second half of the season because I do envision that to be a committee backfield. And I'm also much lower on Kendra Miller because I think, one, they paid Jamal Williams, so they're definitely going to use him early in the season. And then we are expecting a Camara suspension, but probably in that four to eight game range. So at what point does Kendry Miller really have an opportunity, barring injury to both running backs, to truly shine in New Orleans? I think he's more of a long-term play. And I think Miller's a guy who we're going to see his dynasty value actually go down at the start of the season until he actually gets a chance to potentially shine in 2024 if the Saints decide to part ways with Kamara at that point. Now, I know Snoog's triggered here. Before we move on to Miller, I mean, Charbonnet, I, the excellent analysis, Mung. I mean, like always. And I think we have an interesting situation there where we could see him a lot more involved. I mean, if he went to Miami, he was the 107, hands down. I mean, he's, he's a great running back, and he's become a buy. He's gotten to that area. And to your point, I mean, he could potentially take over that area. What I want to talk about, Mung, is Kenneth Walker. So, I mean, Walker goes from, like, RB4, RB5, RB6 in Dynasty. I just did my recent rankings, and I'm having a hard time putting him in my top 12. I mean, I, I have him in that area of Ramondre Stevenson, Tony Pollard. It, it's a difficult thing to project because he didn't have that PPR ceiling where if Devin A-Chain goes to Seattle, I'm like, okay, Walker's still going to get his on first and second downs. Now that it's a lot more threatened there. Where do you have him in your Dynasty rankings? Both of you guys will start with you, Mung, and then we'll go over to Snoog, because I've moved him almost to that RB12, RB13, and I'm using him as, we talk about it a lot, I'm using him as a vessel to move to another guy. So he still has value. Like I talked about that trade last week where I traded A.J. Brown and... Uh, AJ Brown and Zach Walker and ended up getting ETNT Higgins and and Jordan Addison because I was I was using the value of Kenneth Walker to move on to a different player because it's starting to become a little bit more bleak. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of people do still view Kenneth Walker as the entrenched starter in Seattle when I think that could be a shaky position given what we saw Pete Carroll was saying about they wanting them wanting to use Charbonnet especially as a receiver and potentially near the goal line as well. And I think it's possible that Walker could still be a solid home run threat for Seattle on the ground, but that he's getting a lot of that work between the 20s, which isn't as fantasy friendly. So I've moved him down to RB13, RB14 in Dynasty in that late first round range. Um, I actually have him just ahead of Dalton Kincaid, but I actually think I'm going to move Walker slightly behind. So in that 1.09 range in Superflex, and I think he and Charbonnet should be a lot closer in terms of dynasty valuation than we're seeing ADP because sometimes it does take a while for the market to adjust. I love it, Mung. We're vibing. We're like, we don't always agree when it comes to running backs and when it comes to the process. And you and I have over the years have realized that iron sharpens iron. You, you, you do that for me. I do that for you. Snoog, I mean, Charbonnet, we're here in a full gamut here. What do you see as far as Walker and Charbonnet and how are you investing in both of them in dynasty? Yeah. So I'm right there with you guys. Kenneth Walker's sitting around the, the 12, 13 range for me in my dynasty rankings right now. I think he's a better talent than Zach Charbonnet, but like Mung said, I think Charbonnet could come in, be the passing down back in Seattle, although I don't think he's the best receiving back in the world. He's much better than Kenneth Walker. I just don't know what his role is going to be. So that's kind of where I shift against Zach Charbonnet is 
okay, say they use him as like that between the twenties grinder. They use Walker as like the change of pace guy. Walker's the better back. He's going to get more home run hits. He's going to be the more efficient player. If Charbonnet doesn't get the goal line touches, he's going to be basically not usable and not playable to me. In my opinion, he'll just be a great handcuff. He's going to catch passes though. So that's where I kind of sit at both of them. I'm fine taking Charbonnet in that mid early second ish range, just as that high end handcuff with upside to be just a, a two down grinder, kind of like that Latavius Murray role in the saints a few years ago. So I, I think Kenneth Walker is definitely the guy in Seattle, but like, like you guys said, it could get scary. There it could be a 60, 40 split 65, 35 split, but I always think Kenneth Walker is going to lead the way. One guy I've been picking up on waivers or picking in that late fourth round is Dwayne McBride. I think he's a guy to throw onto your taxi squad. He had a nice college career. I think maybe there's a scenario where with one of those guys, we always talk about that next guy up. Sometimes we got to think about the next, next guy. So insurance on the insurance. Uh, we talked a little bit about Kendra Miller. I think Snoog, I mean, you know, Jamal Williams is the guy that he has to beat out. That's the guy that he has to be there. Kamara, he's going to get involved when it comes to the suspension time. Sell me on why Kendra Miller. You, you've had him, what, as high as 110 in, in your rookie drafts. Sell me on why that should be. You know, I, I only have a couple of shares because I've been taking him in the 203 range because I'm, I'm still trying to get those, those wide receivers. But Kendra Miller, sell us on him. Yeah, so Kendra is, was, and always has been my RB3 in this class. I, 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 I can attest to that. We did the Patreon, like, the first time you and I did anything, you actually came on there and were recording it where everyone else had Charbonnet. You were like, nope, it's Kendra Miller. Yeah. As much as I want to fight what Mung said, he was right about everything. So it is going to get scary, <laughs> especially if we're focusing in on the redraft stuff. He could have those big spike weeks. The, the suspension could kind of pave a way for him to get work done, work in the role of that offense, kind of in that Mark Ingram-ish role that we saw a few years back, hopefully. Catching passes, because you know Jamal Williams ain't. And Kendry Miller's a much more explosive running back than Jamal Williams. I He has the workhorse size, too, so I could see him getting those goal line touches over Jamal Williams. I essentially don't think Jamal Williams is going to matter in the long term. Kendry Miller's 20 years old right now. Alvin Kamara is my favorite player ever, but the time's going to come soon. 28 years old with the suspension looming and Jamal Williams is 28 years old. So that long-term landscape, Kendra Miller wheels up all the way. That's why I'm taking him where I'm taking him. He could have a small bit of a value dip, but I'm not selling him either way. So that doesn't matter. Um, he plays with great contact balance, explosiveness. He's got workhorse size. I think he can catch the ball. I know people will attest to that, but Kendra Miller's vision, they, the saints are talking so highly of this kid and they're firm believers that he's going to be a star. So I'm following along because I'm right there with them. Mung, I'm giving you your shot, shot here. I mean, behind Jags of Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson, a guy that can absolutely burn at 4-3. A-Chain, I'm seeing some analysts have him compared to like Jamal Charles and others have him compared to like Javid Best. Where does he fall in that area for you? And I mean, there there is a big variance level, but the sky is the limit for him. Yeah, and I've kind of spoken about the revised philosophy I've used in recent years when it comes to both rookie drafts and redraft leagues. And I think everyone's been burned by different players, and they kind of keep that in the back of their mind. And so in the future, they tend to avoid guys like that, right? I mean, Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley heading into last season, a lot of people were nervous about. And I think what people are worried about here is lack of size. And I'll be the first to say that I am the biggest, you know, size bigot out there, right? I, I'm very worried about running backs and wide receivers who fall under certain thresholds. Mm -hmm. And Ache fits that mold. But the difference here is that I think Miami and Mike McDaniel are going to be smart enough to use him in ways that get him into space, right? Whether it's screen passes, where it's even lining him up perhaps in the slot at times because they don't have that third established receiver with Gusecki gone, especially this year, behind Hill and Waddle. So I think, again, you know, you're not going to expect 20 touches a game for a guy like that, but you're expecting a guy who's going to be used on those short behind-the-line-of-scrimmage plays, um, and then he's going to take it 50 yards for a touchdown. So in some ways, I do think he's better suited for best ball formats, 
because he is going to be a little boom or bust from week to week. But I'm not worried about Mostert and Wilson there because I think the high value touches are going to be going to Achain at the end of the day. Right on. Now we talked about those guys. They're all going like 111 to 202, 203. Those guys I've labeled the standalone values guys with upside. The next group I have is a little bit less upside, but some serious flex appeal. You know, like Tajay Spears, Tank Bigsby, Roshan Johnson, I think are guys that, especially I'm really coming around on Roshan Johnson. I think these are guys that I think Bigsby would fill in really nice if, if ETN were to go down. And Tajay Spears, I think, is going to have some standalone value. Never going to be an RB like Derrick Henry where he's going to fill in that way. But some PPR appeal for year one, year two. Everybody's worried about the knee. Roshan Johnson, you know, lands in what everybody wanted someone in Chicago because Khalil Herbert is not you know, your bell cow kind of guy. Roshan Johnson has that ability to possibly jump in there. Uh, Snoog, out of the three, I mean, how are you evaluating these guys? They usually go between 205 and 212 if you get lucky. I've seen Bigsby fall as far as 302. I've seen Tajay Spears fall as far as 305. These three guys are what we call premium insurance running backs. These are guys that I think have massive upside if there's an injury. Yeah, so the way I look at situations like this is who has the clearest path to opportunity, and it's clearly Roshan Johnson. He's not playing behind Derrick Henry or Travis Etienne. So I think Bears are going to be a run-heavy offense. They beefed up that O-line. Fields is a phenomenal rusher, so you already know they're going to have that read option, kind of RPO system going, pounding Roshan Johnson between the tackles. I think Roshan's the guy here. He's my favorite value of these guys for sure and i have them ranked higher than them as prospects so out of the three roshan has the ability to be a starter tank bigsby is almost this a lesser version of travis Etienne. like he's a but to me tajay spears has become an interesting value because derrick henry is not going to he's not known for his third down work we've seen in the past and monk can attest to this like dontrell hilliard has filled in as a ppr guy in games where there's going to be a lot of negative game scripts in Tennessee. Mung, I mean, is, is Spears someone that, that you've picked up in, in rookie drafts? And you almost have to look at it as there's not much else going on there. Spears, like A-Chain, is a guy, get him in space, a little bit more smaller. Tennessee does not have anything aside from Traylon Burks and, and Chig. You know, there, there's not a lot going on in Tennessee. Yeah, again, I I think this is where my rankings differ a little bit from you guys. I actually have Spears and Bigsby uh, ranked in that same tier as Kendra Miller in that late second round range, uh, slightly above Miller. For me, I I still don't fully buy that Tennessee is going to keep Derrick Henry. He seems like a clear trade target given what that roster looks like and what they're, you know, gearing up to rebuild essentially with the Will Levis pick, especially. Mm -hmm. So I I think Spears might be a hold or a buy low right now, because I do think that Henry will be moved by mid season to a contending roster. Like, and then yeah, potentially, I mean, they have Damian Harris, they signed him, but certainly if they can get Derrick Henry for cheap, I don't think they're going to let Harris stop them. Um, And then Bigsby, I I think he's not even necessarily an insurance guy. He's a compliment to Travis Etienne, who could get valuable goal line touches in an offense that's ascending with Trevor Lawrence. Because looking back to last year, they were super hesitant to give Etienne a true workhorse role. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, what was it, Jamal Hasty, uh, Jamichael Hasty, sorry, um, got a ton of touches against the Chiefs in the playoff game. They just really did not want to use Etienne as a workhorse. And I think they've been looking for someone to fill that 1B role since they traded away James Robinson after his injury. Um, So this is that new uh, coaching staff that came in last year that replaced Urban Meyer and all those guys, and this is their number two guy that they want to pair with ETN. So I think that Bigsby is going to be involved from week one. And I view Roshan Johnson kind of like Kendra Miller, where I think at the end of the day, starting in 2024 and going forward, that he could – win that starting role. But at the same time, Chicago's a team that paid Dante Foreman, which he's not anything special. But at the same time, I think for at least their rookie seasons, Miller and Roshan Johnson are going to be losing out touches to guys like Herbert and Johnson and Jamal Williams and Kamara. Mung, I like that, man. You nailed it. I think 
a lot of people, Deontay Foreman is someone that you could definitely get thrown in at the end of your trade. There's he's he's been a league winner in in the past. So those are those guys you got to look at outside of that. Um, and Bigsby, I think you're right. I think he's going to be a lot of those. He's going to get some of that short yardage, some of that first and second down work. Etn is someone that I have in that top six dynasty running backs, and I think is absolutely going to boom this year. Snoog, any comments on Etn or how these how these running backs break down for you? It's hard to me to not talk bias on Travis Etn, but I, I think Mung nailed it. I think Tanks Bigsby definitely has a role in that offense. They're, they're not going to not use him. Doug Peterson likes to use that kind of one-two punch combo. So we're going to see a lot of Travis Etn, but we're also going to see a lot of Tank Bigsby. I well, think it's going to be if Bigsby or Roshan Johnson go to like Miami or they go to Buffalo. I mean, are we talking about them as more first round late pick. first round picks? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. It's so key with the running backs of where they fall and how high they get drafted. Like Tank Bigsby's landing spot, I don't love it. I don't love any of these landing spots, but I do love Roshan. So that's why I have I give him the slight nod mm-hmm. because I'd rather have my handcuff running back. I don't think Roshan's the handcuff, but the handcuff running back playing behind Khalil Herbert rather than Travis Etienne and Derrick Henry. But I do think Tank Bigsby will have the role. He's, he's a great back. He's very good. He's a two-down grinder. Travis Etienne's just that dude, and I think they will be able to complement each other well, maybe like mm-hmm. a 70-30 split, 65-35. Eventually, though, Tank Bigsby is going to probably get 10 to 12 carries a game. So the next group I have is purely insurance, right? They're going to get a little bit of work, but these are your insurance backs. This is your Israel Abanaconda, who I think ends up being the RB2. Michael Carter's kind of out of the equation for, you know, maybe he's more into the PPR work. Zach Evans, who everybody kind of lugged, goes to the Rams. We know Cam Akers is in a contract year, but, you know, he could he could work into the mix. Eric Gray, you know, works in it with the Giants behind Saquon Barkley. Craig Hall maybe is in that Indianapolis role. And also I want to throw in Deuce Vaughn in Dallas. Now, these are guys that if Leonard Fournette goes to any of these teams, if Zeke goes to any of these teams, even if Kareem Hunt, their value dies. Like, it, it falls off completely. Um, these are guys that I would say, Mung, that if I'm in my fourth round of my rookie draft, I'm always taking a running back who has a clear path as opposed to a day three wide receiver who's buried on the depth chart. Yeah, and someone you didn't mention who I like quite a bit is Sean Tucker down in Tampa Bay because I don't know that Rashad White's role is necessarily established as a workhorse there. Um, Now, obviously, there's a lot of questions in general about what that offense is going to look like sans Tom Brady, whether it's Baker Mayfield, Trask. um, But at the end of the day, I do think there's opportunity there for Tucker, even though he went undrafted because of the medical issues. Supposedly, it's clear. So, I don't know about him long-term, but for the short-term, I'm willing to take a shot on him cheap. Uh, I'm not quite as high on Deuce Vaughn, someone you mentioned. Uh, the size isn't there. I, I think Malik Davis is still going to see quite a little, quite a bit of work, and, and Vaughn's more going to be a special teams guy, maybe an occasional play here or there. But, yeah, in general, I, I like Zach Evans a lot as well. I know he's gotten a lot of buzz. You mentioned him. Um, he fits that Sony Michelle role that they had for the Rams, and I, and I do think that, he is going to see immediate work even week one alongside Akers, kind of like Bigsby and ETM. Snoog, these are guys that, again, like I'm not taking him in the third round. I'm seeing, I'm seeing some people take Zach Evans at like 210, and I'm like, get off your take that Zach Evans is better than Tanks Bigsby. The NFL showed us that he's not. you know. But like, where are you comfortable taking these guys? I feel like they're just nice dart throws in that fourth round to throw on your taxi squad. Yeah, Evans is definitely top guy here for me. I'm not I'm not a firm believer in Cam Akers with that injury, but I did love him coming out. I was a huge Cam Akers fan. He was an elite prospect. He checked every box. He was drafted in the early second round to a phenomenal landing spot. But now there's nobody behind him. Henderson's gone. They have nobody that can back up Cam Akers, and Cam Akers has shown he can't stay healthy. And the Rams had him in the doghouse last year. So I think Zach Evans is a sneaky pick here, and I was high on him as a prospect coming out. And I love his value. I don't think his draft capital speaks for how talented he is. I think he's a much better player than a six-round pick. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, Deuce Vaughn's another guy that I really like just to take the dart throw on. He, I think he could be a really good receiving back, and I think Dallas has a role for him. I know that his dad's involved in Dallas and is in the coaching staff there. So I think they're going to use him to his strengths because he was another phenomenal running back in college. His only flaw was he was five five. So these are guys – they have their pros and their cons, and you just got to swing 
hope you hit the right one. Okay, so we're gonna go. We're gonna go team by team now. What I want to talk about with these guys is we're gonna talk about the player. Then I want you guys to say, is he a smash insurance where he's that guy you have to own, or is it a guy that we're gonna just kind of add in there? You know, there's there's different level of priorities when we come to these insurance guys, these handcuffs. Alexander Madison's always been that premium top tier of those kind of guys. So I want to break down, you know, the RB situations and and how important it is to roster these guys someone that i've been getting thrown into trades trading fourth round picks when i'm on the clock arizona didn't really address the running back position james connor is that bell cow but Keontae ingram who i was getting cheap in a lot of you know rookie drafts last year mung is that the guy to own in arizona and you know how do you see this thing shaking out I think Ingram could be, uh, but I wouldn't prioritize him in terms of fantasy because if something does happen to Connor, I expect that to become a committee backfield on an offense that we're not expecting to be very good this year. Uh, you know, first, we're not sure when Kyler Murray's going to be ready to return. And second, Arizona is a team that could be contending for the 101 in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes. So I think that team, the offense is going to have a lot of questions in general. Um, so Ingram isn't necessarily someone I would be investing heavily in, but certainly should be on a roster. Snook, I mean, Atlanta, we've we we we've, we've been yelling it on Smash Except that you should trade Tyler Algier, and most of you did, you know, and I think now he's become so cheap because Bijan's there that he showed he was a 1,000-yard rusher last year. I got him for a a fourth and a a guy traded from 212 to 211, and, and I threw in a fourth. I think Tyler Algier is, I mean, Atlanta offense looks exciting to me. Algier is going to be a guy that's in the top 10 run uh, run offense. I mean, what can we invest in Tyler Algier? And one thing I want to talk about across this is when you guys talk about insurance policies, when you talk about handcuffs, if you own Bijan, how aggressively would you pay to get Tyler Algier to have that backup? And is that a way that you play Dynasty? Yeah, I was a big Algier fan going into the draft process last year. He was one of my most drafted players in the third and fourth round, and I still believe in his talent. I was devastated by Bijan Robinson going there, but I kind of had that in the back of my mind. So luckily I got out of like 90% of my shares of Algier, and now I can buy him back for fourth. So he's one of the premium handcuffs in the NFL. Would you pay two-thirds? That's my question now. Like, I see him going for thirds. Would you pay two-thirds? I wouldn't pay any seconds at this point, but, I mean, would you pay two-thirds for Tyler Algier if you owned Bijan Robinson? If I own Bijan Robinson, I think it's worth it just to secure that offense because if Bijan goes down with a season and an injury or anything, Algier could be an, a low-end RB1 during the time being. So I definitely think it's worth it to pay up for him or draft him if you have Bijan. But I'm still going to take shots on him without Bichon because I would like to dangle that leverage over that dynasty owner's head, mm-hmm. having Tyler Algier with the possibility of Bichon getting 350 touches and getting banged up in year one and year two. Yeah, so Algier, long term. A lot of teams, those guys, the Algier owner is the guy that picked him up off of waivers. And a lot of times those are teams that are not competitive potentially, and you could get him quite cheap in that area. Um Mung, we go to Baltimore, and the J.K. Dobbins hype is really growing. We talk about this every year, right? And then Gus Edwards just continuously just, he's the secondary running back there. He just, I mean, I got him in round 24 of a startup recently. Yeah, I mean, go back, what, two years? I was talking about, you know, Gus Edwards as a much better value in redraft formats at that point, and even in Dynasty for, you know, a late second at that point versus Dobbins, who was going in the first. And That was our I Gus bus think, episode, remember? I put yeah. a picture, <laughs> my dad graphics, I put a picture of you on the bus with Gus Edwards from the Magic School Bus. I love that. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of Gus Edwards. I think he fits what Baltimore wants to do. Certainly Dobbins is the more talented back, but I think Edwards could slot in if Dobbins were to miss any time. The only caveat I will mention is that I firmly believe the Ravens are going to be a lot more pass-heavy than in years past. So we could see that total carry pie shrink a little bit, um, which means a little bit less upside uh, for Edwards, even if Dobbins were to miss time this year. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think you're you're investing, like you said before, you're investing J.K. Dobbins, probably 110, 111. Je- Gus Edwards, you're probably investing 310, 311, and it's definitely worth it, especially if you are the Dobbins owner. I don't even know if this one I would even consider as a handcuff snoob. Damian Harris is probably going to get the first and second down work for Buffalo, and I'm still seeing him go for third-round rookie picks. 
But this is a guy that I think we saw him in New England. He could be an RB two this year with a, with given you know the upside of ten plus touchdowns. Yeah, Harris is a grinder in between the tackles, and we did see this in New England. He was a ten plus touchdown scorer, and he ended up being a top fifteen guy in fantasy. He's a very talented pure runner. I know people don't want to believe that. He just has bricks for hands, so he struggles catching the ball out of the backfield. That's where James Cook comes into play is that change of pace, one-two punch with Damian Harris, and I love the landing spot for him. Falling into Buffalo's arms, he's going to absolutely make me angry and scream at my TV on Sundays when I have to watch him punch the ball down the Patriots' throat two games a season, and hopefully if, if the Patriots make the playoffs, hopefully we don't run into them, but yeah, Damon Harris is a guy. I used to be super high on him. I remember drafting him in my first ever dynasty league in the 20th round. Just seeing a Bama running back, knew nothing about him. He was on the Patriots. I'd say, why not? He eventually paid off. So he's a, he's a guy you should prioritize, kind of in that similar Tyler Algier in drafts. That just shows our age a little bit. That was your first dynasty draft. My first dynasty draft, I was drafting Roddy White and Calvin Johnson, baby. So, hey, uh, <laughs> Mung. That, I know you're on the Damian Harris hype train as well. I mean, Josh Allen, we're talking about potentially not trying to run as much in that red zone. Damian Harris could be a guy that scores 10 touchdowns. Carolina is an interesting one. We've talked about, I know you're not huge on Miles Sanders. Is Chuba Hubbard, you know, he, he's got to be that RB2 in that situation, or is there someone else in Carolina that we should pay attention to? Yeah, I've come around a little bit on Miles Sanders. Uh, I can't remember who it was that was talking about him on the last podcast. Um, maybe John was pretty high on Sanders. I can't remember now. But oh, was it you? I'm sorry. Credit credit to you then. I, I don't want to, uh, no, to no, give credit to the wrong he's someone person. That I've I've been buying up just because I like the situation a little bit more. Right, I'm and you to saw keep him punching yeah. touchdowns for your Eagles, but. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I am starting to buy a little bit more into Sanders because I do think he could get a little bit of a larger work, uh, not workhorse role necessarily, but a larger workload overall um, based on the remarks from the coaching staff and all that. Um, Hubbard, we've seen him succeed in the past. I think he'll still be involved there. But yeah, I, I do think Hubbard is probably the clear number two still at this point. Snoog, we moved to Cincinnati. Chase Brown gets drafted. Sounds Looks like Mixon's you know, if, if he can restructure here, to, might avoid the suspension. Travion Williams is another name to monitor because he's been out there. Both of these guys, I, I think ultimately if Mixon were to get suspended or injured, they, they go with a, a free agent to bring in because that's a win-now type team. But if you got to invest between Travion Williams or Chase Brown, who is it? I'm going to go with Chase Brown just because I had no idea who Travion Williams was before maybe about four weeks ago. So, I think Chase Brown just dropped him in the fifth round. He was a decent prospect coming out. He was a great athlete, and he was a bell cow in that Illinois offense. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked him. The fifth round didn't please me too much, but I do like the landing spot just in case Joe Mixon gets cut, traded, whatever happens with Mixon. I actually think Joe Mixon's a massive buy. I think he's going to be okay. I think he's going to have a career year. But Chase Brown's definitely the guy to own behind Joe Mixon, and if you have Joe Mixon, go buy Chase Brown. Mung, I loved, I loved, 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 loved Dernis Johnson for years as that like deep handcuff in, in Cleveland. Um, he goes to Jacksonville, and I love that until they drafted Bigsby. Now it's Jerome Ford seems like the next guy in line behind Nick Chubb. And we've been blessed by Nick Chubb's health over the last couple of years, but he's getting up there in age, and there is not a lot of competition in Cleveland. Yeah, I think we're. it speaks volumes that they didn't add any running backs this offseason, right? And we've heard whispers all offseason that they really like Jerome Ford a lot. Um, he fits that mold of how they want to run that offense. I think he is the clear backup, but at the same time, I think he could give you 80% of what Nick Chubb could give you mm-hmm. in terms of fantasy production if he were to step into that role. So I like Ford quite a bit. He's a guy that I would try and go out of my way maybe even pay an early third, late second range, um, depending on who's available in rookie drafts at that point. He is like, the fact that they did not bring in competition where he only had, what, eight carries on the entire year, I mean, that shows that that they saw something in, in practice. They saw something in camps. Um, we talked about Dallas, potentially Deuce Vaughn. Maybe they bring back Zeke. We're going to kind of skip over that one. The biggest sleeper out there right now that I'm seeing going for – 
third round picks when when people are on the clock snoog it's like when they're at 310 everybody wants their guy i've been getting samaje p ryan for three 305 to 310 and in denver again they did not draft anybody which speaks volume to javante williams and p ryan fit the bill when he was in cincinnati when he was getting ppr work he was getting early down work and he's kind of rejuvenated his career a little bit yeah we saw russell wilson as a check down machine last year and whatever back was in the lead was catching tons of passes out of the backfield. So I think even if Javante's healthy, Javante's a great player. P runs a phenomenal pass blocker out of the backfield, and he's going to give Russ that protection he needs and catch passes downfield as a legit threat out of the backfield. So I think he has a role regardless. I don't think it's if Javante goes down, is he going to see the field? I think he's going to see the field 100% of the time during the season. I think he's going to be a great compliment. I think Javante is going to be kind of more of that bell cow type 2018 carry guy per game. But I do think, yeah, P. Ryan's, P. Ryan's going to catch passes. He's going to be active and he's going to be productive with a bounce back season from Russell Wilson. Mung, this almost feels almost the same situation as J.K. Dobbins. Javante Williams, another guy running back that you don't necessarily care for, for the, the injury history. I mean, it's Samaj P. Ryan just feels like screaming value right now. Yeah, I, I would compare the situation actually similar to Peyton's old stomping grounds uh, with the Saints, where I view P. Ryan kind of like that Jamal Williams type okay. who could be a workhorse early in the season um, if, you know, comparing Kamara's suspension to if Javante Williams isn't ready week one coming back from that knee injury. So I do think P. Ryan at the very least has a strong early season role if they are going to ease Javante back in. Uh, Detroit, real quick, Snoog. I sold um, Monty Williams for the 212 and drafted Josh Downs. We didn't get a chance to say it last week, but smash or pass Montgomery for the 212. I think I'm smashing the 212 Good as long as Josh Downs. As long yeah, if Josh Downs or Mims or Roshan Johnson, one of my guys are there, I'm smashing that all day. Mung, AJ Dillon at Green Bay. Is this I have a lot of people reaching out to me like, "Hey, is he going to take over any kind of role of Aaron Jones?" For me, the answer is no. He is still just he is what we've seen, but he he's provided RB2 value and flex appeal when Aaron Jones is still healthy. Yeah, I, I like Dylan quite a bit. Uh, we've seen flashes from him. He's played well when given the opportunity, and Green Bay is where the ice bowl is played, right? Every year, once it gets into December, we see that teams playing in these types of stadiums do need to go to a more run-heavy approach because it's hard to throw the ball when it's negative 30 degrees. And at the same time, I think overall, even earlier in the year now, with Aaron Rodgers gone, perhaps the Packers go a little bit more run-heavy to ease the burden off of Jordan Love's shoulder, stepping into the starting role for the first time. So I like Dylan quite a bit. I think he's one of those post-height sleepers where everybody was on A.J. Dillon a couple of years ago, going for multiple firsts even in some leagues. And now he's almost a throwaway that you can probably get for a mid-second. I like it. We, we have a lot of running backs to go over here, so I'm going to switch. I'm going to flip the script a little bit. I'm going to put you guys on the spot, and I'm going to give you a rookie pick, and you got to tell me if you want the rookie pick of the player and why. Snoog, Devin Singletary, 302 or Devin Singletary? 302. Okay. What, what, what do you like about the 302 in comparison to Singletary? I think Pierce is the guy in Houston, and I don't. I'm not a firm believer in Singletary's talent. He he had a walk in, perfect situation in Buffalo for a couple of years, and he never really did much with the role. He's too small. He's not great as a runner, and he's not the best pass catcher in the world. So he's kind of just like that small, shifty guy. Turns up at times. I'd rather take the dart throw at the 302. With seeing some guys, I've gotten Josh Downs at the 302. Mm-hmm. So I, I will take that dart throw whether it's on while that picks on the clock or if it's ahead of time, I'm taking the 302. I, I'm kind of, I'm on the Singletary train a little bit here. Cause I think we have a situation where if Pierce were to go down, Singletary is going to have some nice PPR value. Mung, this is one that I've picked up in so many dynasty leagues. Zach Moss or the 401. Oh, uh, is Moss even on an NFL roster? Yes. He's on the Colts, man. Uh, no, uh, 401. <laughs> give me, give me the empty roster spot where I can make a waiver wire ad. Um, I, I have very little belief in Zach Moss at this point, as so, you can clearly tell by my honest reaction that I didn't know what team he was on week four, 15 through 18. We're looking at right now, 14, 
11, 11, and 25.6 fantasy points over that time where they did not really draft anything other than Craig Hall. So, like, that's one where I, I wasn't paying attention to it up until a week ago where I was like, okay, maybe I'll throw Moss in there. And, you know, the fourth-round pick is just a dark I, throw. I wish you all the best of luck with that. Hey, we'll see how it goes. KC, right. uh, Mung, since this has always been your kind of – Pacheco, McKinnon, CEH, what are you paying? Real quick, I mean, there's three running backs. What are you willing to pay for each of them individually? I think Pacheco's probably in that early second range in Superflex rookie formats. Um, CEH and McKinnon both in that late second, early third range. I really think they are going to share, uh, you know, that role. And I think McKinnon and CEH both have health questions. So for me, it's Pacheco ahead of those two guys. Um, but obviously, I, I do think it's going to remain somewhat of a committee there. McKinnon, week 14 and 15, RB1 overall, week 17, RB7. He was that guy. Cheap, I, I'm, I'm okay buying any piece of that Chiefs offense if you can get him, whoever the cheapest one is. Um, let's talk about the Chargers. Is the Chargers really, I mean, it's Joshua Kelly, it's Isaiah Spiller, Snoog. I mean, are either of these guys dart throws that you want to invest in? Yeah, Isaiah Spiller for me. I'm not touching so Josh cheap. Kelly. Yeah. Super cheap. He was a guy that was super high on a lot of people's boards coming out. He had that disappointing pre-draft process up until the combine with that injury. He fell down into the fourth round, but he was a decent prospect. Pretty solid coming out. Good grinder. He can catch the ball well. And the kid's 21 years old still. He was super young coming out. So I think with Eckler possibly not getting the contract, possibly getting traded, the Chargers didn't really take – I don't think they took a single running back in the draft. So that's kind of just the path paved for Spiller to get on the field this year. And I, he's a bigger bodied back and he can handle those touches and he's a good pass catcher. So I, I like him as the dart throw over Kelly for sure. And I'd give up a mid third round pick for him. I like it. I, Mung, I know that was one of your guys last year. Um, we move over to the Raiders. I mean, Jacobs was, you know, an RB1. Is Zamir White or the 304? I mean, it, you know, we look at a situation where it's definitely ripe in an offense here. Can Zamir White prove to be some value? Yeah, I, I think he can be a value, but I, I don't know that he's going to be a fantasy stud, even if Jacobs mm -hmm. were to go down. That's another backfield where I think it would devolve into more of a committee situation mm -hmm. uh, in the event of an injury to the number one there. So I, I would lean 304. Okay, I want to talk Minnesota here, and I want to get both your opinions. I, I hear a lot of people in the Patreon, a lot of people chirping, well, Dalvin Cook could get cut, and Alexander Madison's going to be that bell cow. And we just haven't. I can't see Minnesota moving off of Dalvin Cook and not signing Fournette, Zeke, or Hunt and just rolling with Madison as the RB1 and then maybe Dwayne McBride as the RB2. I just don't see it among Madison, someone that we've always talked about buying. You know, kind of like we say James Conner's always been worth a second. Madison's always been worth a third, and you've always been able to get him. Is this finally the time where we see him, you know, emerge out of that area, or is it another muddied water situation? I'm really glad you asked because I like Hine Wangwu a lot. Um, he's a guy who showed flashes at, I don't remember if it was Iowa or Iowa State now, but uh, prior to the Achilles injury, he was amazing in short in short bursts. And mm -hmm. he's a guy who ran, I think, sub 4-4. Um, we've seen a couple flashes here and there. And he's a guy who I do think could shine if given the opportunity. So he he's someone that I like stashing in deeper leagues certainly not going out and paying for him. Um, but at, at the same time, to your point, Minnesota views itself as on its last legs with Kirk Cousins, right? They, they got to contend. They got to make a playoff run or something, or else they might start looking to retool. So I do think Absolutely. that they would bring someone in, even if they did cut or trade Dalvin Cook this offseason. So, yeah, I, I am buying Madison as the potential lead back in that situation, but I do think they would bring in someone else as well. So I would caution – overpaying for Madison right now. I, I've brought this up and you I've shown you some of my absolute dominant rosters where it's Jalen Waddle, AJ Brown, CD Lamb, but then you look at my running backs and you know I might have one or two in there, but I have all of these guys. And that's something where it's like if you have to decide if you're loading up on a taxi and you got to put one of these guys on, you put one of these rookie running backs like an Eric Gray over a wide receiver who was taken in the sixth round, you know Aside from Boutte, we love him. 
Right, Snook? No, but like in those kind of situations, stockpile these guys. These guys are like lottery tickets, right? The chances of a day four or day three wide receiver round four to six, really low hit rate. The fact that one of these guys gets an opportunity like an Algiers out of nowhere is a better lottery ticket. New England, Snoog, that's your your resident area that you 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 know you kind of chimes home. James Robinson's there now. Pierre Strong, um, you know, show me your receipts. Who are you kind of going out on those guys? Like, which one of those guys is it for you? Yeah, I'm rolling with James Robinson here. Um, I think he's definitely the guy. He's a talented player. He had a top ten season as a rookie. He showed flashes. Great pure runner. I just think he's the guy beyond Ramondre. I don't think. Either of them are going to play too much, but I know New England likes to rotate backs. Pierre Strong's a good receiving back, smaller guy, but he's a solid player. Patriots took him a decently high in the draft. I think it was fourth round, so they seem to think he's a decent guy. Ramondre's the bell cow, though. So I think James Robinson's the next guy. If Ramondre was to go down to step into that bell cow role, handle the majority of the touches. And J-Rob's a good pass catcher. He has that workhorse size, good runner. He can score touchdowns. He can do it all. Coming, I think, a year and a half fresh off that injury now. So he's gonna he has some time to build up his strength, get his play speed back, and show who he is and show that he's that running back that we saw his rookie year in Jacksonville. So I think James Robinson's the go-to handcuff in New England, and I think he's a highly valuable handcuff as well. Mung, like a year ago, we were talking about this. Like I was Ramondre Stevenson everywhere. And we've always had that Belichick, who's it going to be? Who's, you know, how are they going to work it out? How do you see things shaking out? James Robinson has proven to be a, you know, more than capable fantasy running back. Yeah, I'm on the complete opposite side of Snoog on this one. Um, I I love Pierre Strong. I I think he's someone that they drafted. Uh, We got a lot of reports last offseason uh, that the Patriots wanted to move to more of an outside zone type running scheme, uh, kind of like the Shanahan approach. And he's a guy who was comped uh, to Eli Mitchell. And I think that that's a great comp for him because he has that speed and he has that size. And I think that Pierre Strong could even be the complement to Ramondre Stevenson. Uh, I'm still not buying that Bill Belichick is going to actually uh, keep a lead running back for the entire season. So I'm hesitant to invest in a Ramondre Stevenson right now. Um, I'd rather take a late dart throw on Pierre Strong personally over James Robinson too because we saw that he wasn't the most athletic back even prior to the injury, and I think that injury sapped a lot of that explosiveness, which is ultimately why he was traded, and he's bounced around a couple teams right now. And we know Belichick loves his reclamation projects, but I don't think James Robinson is it at this point. I'm going to keep pounding the drum for Ram. You know, we were doing it with, yeah, I'm just going to keep working it. You know, I'll, I'll bring you onto my side. You know, we did that with, <laughs> with Jalen. I'm going to do it with Ram. We'll get there. So this is the most interesting fantasy running back situation, Mung, is the Philadelphia Eagles. It's Rashad Penny, who has looked fantastic at times. Kenny Gainwell, who I was buying up everywhere because in the playoffs had a very prominent role. Now they get a beefed up version of Kenny Gainwell and DeAndre Swift. So, I know Snoog's going to you know, be on the Swift side. What are we paying for these guys, and how do we shake it out? Because I, I'm, in, I'm willing to invest in any of them. You know, Gainwell's the cheapest. Swift has the highest ceiling, but is also the most expensive. And Penny kind of falls somewhere in the middle. So, Mung, help me shake it out. Yeah, it all comes down to costs because I think at the end of the day, uh, whichever one stays healthy between Swift and Penny is going to be the <laughs> running back that ends oh, up finishing Better in fantasy, right? That's why I'm buying Gainwell because he costs nothing and the other two are made of paper mache. But, you know, like that that's exactly – it costs everything here. Yeah, and I mean at cost, that's why I'm fading Swift because he's still going in that late first. I think people are still paying up for him and I can't quite get there. And for me, I, I think Gainwell's always going to be that complimentary guy. So based on upside versus cost, I actually like Penny the most. You can probably get him for a late second. Uh, in most rookie draft uh, valuations. And I do think that he could be the goal line guy, and which could end up being the most fantasy valuable uh, role on that Eagles offense behind that dominant offensive line. Snoog, Rashad Penny goes down to injury. DeAndre Swift stays healthy. DeAndre Swift finishes as the RB blank. Top eight. 
Like, and I know that's like everything in the world lining up perfectly. You know, like those are all seem like nothing I want to make as Vegas bets. But the, the ceiling yeah. is definitely there for him. Let's yeah. go to Pittsburgh. Super cheap. I love Najee this year. Jalen Warren, Snooky, he, he proved to be a decent backup. A guy that I think you can definitely get maybe for a fourth rounder when you get in your rookie draft. Not sexy, but is he worth investing in? Yeah, I actually like him as one of the better handcuffs too as well because you know how the Steelers like to use their running backs. They, they always hammer the rock with the guy that's the lead guy that's healthy. So I know Najee Harris has never missed a football game and I don't know how long, but that's a crazy stat about him. He's always healthy. He's a workhorse. He always goes to work whether he's injured, battled, battle, battling an injury. He could have a torn labrum and he's still out there running people over. So He's a beast, but Jalen Warren's a guy that was making plays out of the backfield consistently, kind of as that one-two punch, helping Najee stay fresh, keeping Najee on the sideline while he was battling the injuries. Warren was catching passes and stuff. He's super quick. I think he's a great handcuff back, but I don't I don't see anything more of that. I know he's undersized, but like I said, we saw Le'Veon Bell go down, get suspended, lead the Steelers, whatever it was, and James Conner. DeAndre Williams, guys like that always showed up and they produced at a high level. So I'm, I'm all in on Jalen Warren in 2023. And Among the best running back position available is, is San Francisco. You know, and CMC has had a resurgence. His value has recouped. But Elijah Mitchell, you know, it was someone that was an RB2 before they brought in Christian McCaffrey and before he got hurt. A lot of people like, uh, like Jordan Mason, a lot of people like Pierce. Like, who is that for you? And I mean, is Elijah Elijah Mitchell super cheap? I mean, I got him in round twenty-two of a startup recently, and I feel like he has to be the primary backup here, in my estimation. I think he's going to complement McCaffrey, uh, kind of a seventy-thirty split. Uh, it's just that we've never seen Mitchell be able to stay healthy. Yeah. So I, I don't think that he's going to really be a league winner, even if McCaffrey were to miss time. I, I actually think playing fewer snaps is going to help Mitchell stay healthy in that complimentary role and also help McCaffrey too, right? Because he's battled injuries in the past. So I think it's ideal for both of them to be in that 70-30 type of split. And if McCaffrey were to go down, I, I would actually go out and get Jordan Mason for very cheap because I think he showed a couple flashes, broke a long touchdown uh, in one of the later games last season. So I, I think Mason at cost, I would prefer over Mitchell even. Tampa Bay, they got Chase Edmonds. They're probably going to bring in another guy. Let's talk Washington real quick. I've come full circle. Antonio Gibson is a dynasty buy for me right now. You can call me crazy if you want, but I think we he's going to be more in that PPR role, like a beefed up Jarek McKinnon. Or not Jarek McKinnon, uh, who is a JD McKissick. I think Gibson is going to have some, some value here. I mean, Brian... Robinson isn't that guy for me. I think Antonio Gibson has a nice little resurgence here. Snoog, I see you shaking your head. I mean, is Gibson somebody worth investing a second-round pick in right now? I think I think you could get away with a late second, but I don't even think you have to pay that. I think you can get him for a pair of thirds or even a third and a fourth when your pick's on the clock and someone's thirsty to make a pick or if there's a guy they like that they see. Antonio Gibson's a great pass catcher, and he's an electric playmaker. He's far more exciting than Brian Robinson. Brian Robinson kind of gives me that two years ago Latavius Murray two-down grinder between the tackles where you're just slamming him off guard. Don't forget Latavius is in Buffalo now. Deep, deep sleeper there. (laughs) Deep sleeper. You're just having him get you those three to four, maybe five yards. He's a bruiser on the goal line. So I think they're going to be a nice one-two punch, and Gibson's definitely the guy that I'm drafting, especially because he's cheaper than Brian Robinson right now. So, Mung, am I crazy? Am I crazy for saying Antonio Gibson, who two years ago was you know back-to-back in that fringe RB1 area? Am I crazy to be reinvesting? I just can't quit the guy. I don't think it's crazy. I mean, he, he comped to Jonathan Taylor at one point, right? Um, we've just seen him battle a lot of injuries. I do prefer him over Brian Robinson. But again, I do think this is a committee backfield where it's actually helpful in real life terms for both of them to split the work and, and keep them healthy. Um, I, I'm just not sure in terms of fantasy upside that Gibson is going to be more than a touchdown dependent flex type player um, without getting more of the workload than we want him to get. I love it. I just said who my biggest like 
cheap handcuff buy is. I want both of you guys to close out because we're really close to that hour mark on which one of these guys is your cheapest you know, handcuff or insurance buy, anything you're working on. Obviously, Mung, the man, the myth, the legend. Who's that guy? You're always, we talk about if anybody gets to the end of this episode, will you always drop them nuggets? Yeah, I mean, I talked a little bit about Kine Wangu uh, in Minnesota. I, I do like him quite a bit. But uh, somebody that I, I think it speaks volumes that you even glossed over Tampa Bay uh, without talking about Tucker. Um, Sean Tucker is somebody who I think fell in the draft and went undrafted because of a medical condition. I believe it was with his heart. Um, but the fact that he was ultimately cleared for a team to sign him, I think the talent is there. And I do think that this is a, an offense that's going to be finding its identity. And it's certainly not going to be uh, running through the quarterback per se. I think the quarterback's going to be more of a game manager here, whoever that ends up being. And I do think Tucker has opportunity here. And I think that there's a possibility that this could be a bigger split with Rashad White than a lot of people are expecting as of right now. I like that a lot. Snoog, we haven't officially, you know, congratulated you on being a permanent co-host there at, at Smash or Pass. We love that you came on Smash Accept here. Who is that Smash Accept handcuff or insurance running back for you? I think it has to be Rashad Penny because the Eagles scored 32 total rushing touchdowns last year in 2022. They were the best running team by far, elite offensive line. And Rashad Penny has shown that he's that guy when healthy. So I think if there was a scenario, even if DeAndre Swift's healthy and they're kind of just using him as that three down or that third down back and stuff like that. But if he goes down, Rashad Penny is going to be a guy that could be very similar to how Miles Sanders worked out last year and be a thousand yard plus guy and a double digit touchdown score. And you can get him for dirt cheap right now, especially after the news of DeAndre Swift becoming an Eagle. So he's a guy that I'm going to try to acquire everywhere as soon as this live stream ends. Reminder, stockpile these insurance running backs and enjoy the process.